Unity Presbyterian Church online. This week in worship, it is Pentecost, and Pastor David brings us a sermon on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's listen. Well, as you've heard, today is Pentecost. We've got the red banners, the red all over. It's the church's birthday. It's the the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to study a passage. And this passage in particular is going to take a look at fatherhood. Now, you may or may not be a parent, so I'm going to help you get in the mindset of a father. Um, Here's a picture of my oldest daughter, Zoe. And I believe that this picture really speaks to two elements of fatherhood. The first is that coffee right there. That coffee is from Waterbean Coffee, personally my favorite local coffee shop, but also speaks to just how exhausting and tiring parenting can be. But the second thing I want you to notice is that Zoe is writing in her journal, and she's writing a story. You see, I've gotten to the point of fatherhood where she's really her own person, And yes, she's always been her own person, but it didn't always seem evident. Now, she's writing up her own ideas, her own thoughts from her mind, and wanting to share them with me. That's a really unique stage of of fatherhood, where I look at her and go, wow, like, who you are right now uh, gives me so much joy and hope for who you are going to become who you're going to develop into. So those are the two things I want you to see in this photo, because honestly, it makes me wonder, is that how God feels about us? I mean, if we call God our Father, which our scripture will do today, if God is our parent, does God look at us with the same sense of pride and joy and also hope for what you may become? Yes, does God look at you and and think, I'm so happy for this child of God, this creation that I made, and I'm so hopeful for what this person might become. Yes, as a parent, I want to give my daughters, Zoe and Riley, everything that they need to grow into the beautiful, mature adults that I know that they will become. So so I, I want to give them a thing like a house, right? I want to give them a safe home to grow up in. I want to give food, clothing, all the essentials. But even more than that, I want to give love. I want to give compassion. I want to give guidance. Well, God, as our parent, gives us something too. Yeah, God gives us something to help us as children of God to grow into the people that God hopes for us to become. Now, it's not a house. God doesn't give us a college education. What does God give us? What you're going to see in this scripture today is God gives us God's spirit. Yeah, it's Pentecost, so you knew we were going to loop back around to talk about the spirit, didn't you? God, as a gift to us, to help us become the people that God wants us to become, God gives us his spirit. To explore that, we're going to study a passage from Romans. Romans chapter 8, it's written by the Apostle Paul. And in this, he talks all about how the spirit is a gift to us and what that gift truly does in our lives. Now, you're going to hear two terms over and over again. 
in these passages. And so if we don't understand these terms right off the bat, we will be confused throughout the entire passage. Those two terms are flesh and spirit. These two terms, Paul uses them to talk about distinct ways of life. So there's the way of the flesh, and there's the way of the spirit. Here are some definitions for you to keep in mind. The way of the flesh, when you see the flesh, flesh, this signifies life turned in on itself, so that the individual is at the center of all values. Yes, Paul uses this term flesh not to talk about one's physical body. It's not your actual flesh. That's not what Paul is talking about here. But instead, Paul uses it to illustrate a way of life that's entirely focused on oneself. You know, so you'll, you'll ask the question, well, what's best for me? And that will be the criteria where you judge all decisions that you make. What is best for me? Now, of course, you most likely won't ever say that out loud, but in your mind, you're thinking, okay, if I'm thinking about doing this or doing this, what's best for me? Paul would call that the way of the flesh. But that's not the only option. We also have the way of the Spirit. And this signifies life lived under the lordship of Jesus. Yes, this way of life is committed to, to making decisions and, and creating values based off of what God wants in the world. So it's not just what do I want, what's best for me, but it's what does God want? What does God want both for me and for this world? All right, so to recap, you got two distinct ways of life. The flesh, what do I want? And the spirit, what does God want? Let's go ahead and jump into the scripture now, and you'll see these terms used. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh, i.e. what do I want, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So right away, you see these two distinct ways of life. You've got the flesh and you've got the Spirit. And what Paul says is that these ways of life actually affect one's very mind. It affects your very mind. So you know how when you do one thing over and over again, it becomes so ingrained into your self-conscious that you can do that thing without even really thinking about it? Uh, for instance, driving. I mean, I can drive, and I'm not actively thinking about the process of driving because I've been driving for so many years. It's just second nature. Have you ever had the experience where you are driving somewhere, and all of a sudden you're there. And you say, oh, I don't really remember that drive. It's because it's so second nature. You just know what to do while you're driving. Your mind knows what to do. Paul says that when we follow these distinct ways of life, then the decisions we make, either of the spirit or the flesh, they become like second nature. Yes, the decisions to care about myself or to, or to follow God, they spring forth from the subconscious as a way of life. And over time, 
you're not even going to be aware of actively choosing one way or the other because it is so ingrained in our minds. So what are the results then of living in this sort of way of life? Well, there's where Paul goes next. Paul says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Yes, what Paul is saying here is that living for oneself alone will eventually lead to hostility with God because eventually what you want and what God wants is going to conflict. That's naturally going to happen. Whereas living by the Spirit leads you somewhere else. Living by the Spirit leads to life, true life, abundant life, and it leads to peace. Peace within yourself. Freedom from the constant anxiety or the running of your mind thinking about what may go wrong. Living the way of the Spirit leads to inner peace within your heart and mind. So by this point, Paul's original readers are probably saying, well, okay, how do we know that we are actually living in the way of the Spirit? Because that's what we want. We want the way of life and of peace. And we're probably asking that same question. How do we know that we're living in this way that leads to life and peace? What does that really look like? Well, the rest of this passage that we're going to explore expands simply upon the way of the Spirit. The first question we'll ask is, how do you really know that you're following the Spirit? Paul says, you, however, speaking to his original audience, but I think us as well, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if, if, so here's the question, if, indeed, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So the if, the question of how do I know if I'm following the way of the Spirit, Paul says, well, it's the presence of the Spirit in you, actually in you and your life that marks those who belong to Christ. Yes, when the Spirit of God lives inside of you. What Paul's saying is that you are not simply the sum of flesh and bones. You're not merely a collection of cells and genes. You are more than meets the eye. Yes, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Your physical body, then, is not all that is there. It may be all that you can see with your eyes, but there is more to it than that. Yes, there is a spiritual dimension that is present in each and every one of us. Paul continues. He says, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. 
So here's what Paul's saying here. Now, instead of the way of the flesh being the way of, you know, the following one's own desires, now Paul is talking about your physical body. And Paul's saying, eventually, your body will die. Everyone's body will die because our bodies are both temporary and fragile. Yes, they're temporary because every day they're aging. We are slowly aging. Our bodies are decaying, eventually will die because we are not immortal. And they're fragile. You can get sick. You can break a bone. If you get cut, you will bleed. Yes, our bodies are not invincible. So you are not immortal and you are not invincible. But Paul says even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit living in you is eternal. That, that lasts forever because of God's righteousness. Yes, there is a life-giving presence in you at all times, which means no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is that you're going through, or even if your physical body is failing you, or your mind is racked with anxiety, no matter what you're going through, you have the spirit of life accessible within you. At all times, the presence of God is not far. So think of the strength. Think of the strength that is accessible to you at all times simply because of God's presence in your life. That's a strength that we don't tap into nearly as much as we should. Paul goes on. Paul says, and, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Yes, Paul is once again reiterating that your body one day will die. That much is guaranteed for everyone in this room, but the spirit of the living God is eternal. And so just like Jesus was resurrected, was raised to new life, so also do we who have the spirit of the living God present in us share that same future. Death in this world, it appears to have such a finality to it, doesn't it? But there's more going on than meets the eye. So what we're told here is that the Spirit of God is always at work below the surface, only becoming fully known at the point of a person's death. Therefore, this is what Paul says next, therefore, meaning in light of all of this, in conclusion, based off of all that I've said up to this point, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Now, obligation, that Greek word means one who is indebted. If you have a debt, then eventually you need to pay off that debt, right? Maybe you have a mortgage. Maybe you have student loans credit card debt, those are debts, and eventually debts need to be repaid. Well, I hate to tell you this, but all of us in this room also have a debt. Yes, everyone in this room is indebted. We have an obligation. And so you're wondering, who are we indebted to? Paul says, therefore, brothers and sisters, 
we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Yes, we are indebted to follow the way of the Spirit. Once you realize that you have the very Spirit of God living inside of you, there is there's no going back. No, that, that sort of knowledge changes everything. And, and so in light of this, this wonderful gift that God gives us so that we can live into the type of people God wants us to live, in light of that gift, we have an obligation to follow God with everything that we've got. Yes, God's Spirit really changes how we view ourselves and how we view the world around us. Here's Paul's conclusion based off of that, based of our indebtedness. He says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And the Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Yes, we have an obligation to live according to the way of the Spirit because it changes our lives. And it changes us in in three main ways. The first is that you become a child of God. Yes, if you have God's Spirit in you, you are a child of God. That's a term we, we hear a lot in the church, but just let it sink in for a moment that Paul calls you a child of God. You've heard the phrase, they treated us just like family. You usually use that phrase if you're hosted by another family, maybe for dinner or you stay overnight, and they treat you with such thoughtfulness and such care that you go, wow, they treated us just like family. What Paul's saying is that God doesn't treat you just like family. God says you are family. You are a child of God. How does that change your identity? How does that change how you view yourself. We are children of the Most High, which then means our second point is that then you are not a slave to anything. But particularly, Paul points out fear. You are not a slave to fear. If you are a child of God, you are not a slave to fearful thinking any longer. There's a freedom here that comes with being a child of God. Too often, our minds are fearful of a number of things. We're fearful of the future, something we can't control, something we don't know what's going to happen. We're fearful of the present, of conflict, of things not going well, maybe with our own bodies or our, our health. But as children of God, we are not defined by fear. Yes, Paul says you are not a slave to fear. I mean, the way of the flesh The way of thinking what is best for me, it leads eventually to fear. It could be called the way of fear. Because think about it. 
The way of the flesh, you have the knowledge that, okay, one day we will die. Like our bodies are decaying. But then with, with no promise of new life. If there's any way to make you a slave to fear, that would be it. But the Spirit and the way of the Spirit leads us into a new identity, becoming this child of God that is not a slave to anything. And then finally, the third thing is that this allows us to see God as a loving parent. We're we're coming full circle here. Because God, in this passage, is called our Father. I want you to imagine for a moment the depth of intimacy that God is providing for us by saying, hey, you can call me Father. I mean, you don't have to approach God with a title like, oh God, your most excellent holiness or, or anything like that. God says, no, just call me Father. That's the intimacy there. Now, in Aramaic, which is what Jesus and Paul spoke, Father is pater. And the, this is the formal way of referring to one's father, pater. The vast majority of times that Jesus calls God Father, he uses this more formal term of pater. But there are three times in Scripture where pater is combined with Abba. And we have one of those in our Scripture today. What is the difference? Well, Abba means Daddy or Papa. And think about that in your own life. What's the difference between calling someone father and daddy? There is a a more intimate way to refer to someone, isn't there? There's the formal way, hello, father, but there's also that intimate way, you're just my dad. And God says, that's how you can approach me. You are a child of God, someone I care so deeply about, and you can approach me simply as Abba. Well, just as I look at Zoe, and I've got so many hopes and dreams of what she may become, that's how God views us as well. Yes, as children of God, God views us with so many hopes and dreams of what we may become. And then to ensure that this happens, to give us just the the maximum shot that we can get to make sure this happens, God gives us God's Spirit. And then encourages us to follow the way of the Spirit. So that is my encouragement for all of us today. On this Pentecost Sunday, where we're surrounded by red, may this be a reminder to follow the way of the Spirit. Because the Spirit leads to life. The Spirit leads to a life free from fear. The Spirit leads to a relationship with God that's so intimate that you can call God Abba. Yes, may we follow Spirit. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.